0: A science story, huh? Is NYU a scientist? Uh, it felt it. I, right. I was so And I just happy. thought, well. I had figured it out. Wow. it I was cool. that oh. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly. And welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. Our vacation is over, and we are now back with new stories. This week's story is from Tim Manley. The story was recorded in July 2012 at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The theme of that night was medical misadventures.
1: Uh, All right, so uh, when I was six years old... I was really small and really scrawny. My older brother's nickname for me was The Twig. I was also really pale. I was the kind of pale that's like, so white, it's more like a light purple. But the reason I was so pale is that I was sick. Uh, For a couple months, I'd had this really bad cough And I started getting fevers too, so I kept getting sent home from school. But the problem was that my family didn't have health insurance and we didn't really have the money to take me to a good doctor. My parents had just gotten divorced and my mother had moved my two older brothers and I to this little house in a new town and we were really barely getting by. So I'm kind of sick for a couple months and then thankfully my aunt calls my mom and she says, I'll give you the 70 bucks, take Tim to Dr. Houtman, who's the best doctor in town. Now, Dr. Hellman is a terrifying man. He has a face of stone and a voice like a dragon. But I, I read a lot of fantasy books as a kid, so I wasn't scared. I knew that bad things happen to the hero, but if the hero is courageous, he will be Okay. I also knew that heroes all have sidekicks, and so I was very excited to have my mother with me. (laughs) So we get to Dr. Houtman, and Dr. Houtman breathes fire on me, and I knock it away with my shield, and he also runs some blood work and x-rays and stuff. (laughs) And he comes back, and he tells my mother, Tim has, quote, complications of pneumonia and a collapsed lung. I just heard an ooh. <laughs> that, was our, that was my mother's thought. And she said, complications, what are those? Uh, and, and Dr. Hauptman said, uh, I, I'm not sure, that's why we'd like to send him to the hospital. So we get in the car and we're on our way to the hospital now and I am fearless. And the reason I am fearless is because I'm with my mother. And I know that when I'm with my mother, we're in this together. And I know that we're in this together because she would say it to us all the time. I used to share a bedroom with my two older brothers. There was my oldest brother on the top bunk, my middle brother on the lower bunk, and I was on the pull-out mattress. And some nights, our mom would come in and she'd put a blanket next to my mattress, and she'd lay down and hang out with us for a little while. And she'd be like, tell me embarrassing stories about your father's new wife. (laughs) And we would be like, she has the weirdest sneeze. It sounds like there's a cartoon ambulance in the room. And our mom would go, you guys are so sweet. Please don't ever tell anyone I asked you to do that. But, uh, it was also kind of a tough time. You know, we we weren't living with our dad anymore, we didn't really know what was going on, so our mom would also say to us, don't worry guys, we're all in this together. Whatever happens, we're all in this together. So now me and my mom are driving to the hospital and I'm like, I'm fearless, we're all in this together. I am the twig. (laughs) And we get to the hospital, and I have my own room, like a king. I look around the room, and there's these glass jars that have biohazard signs on them, and there's all these evil metal utensils. And On the shelves, there are these coils of plastic tubes that are obviously for some sort of sick experiments that they run here. I say to my mom, actually, mom, there's one thing that I'm kind of freaked out by. It's these tubes. I really don't want them putting any tubes in me. And my mom is like, okay, yeah, sure, don't worry. They won't put any tubes in you. And then the nurse comes in and she's like, all right, Tim, time for your first shot. And I'm like, mom, that sounds like a small metal tube. And my mom is like, what if I give you a dollar every time they give you a shot? And I'm like, all right, yeah, a dollar, fine. Because I'm a hero, but I'm also a shrewd businessman. And my mother and I have a ton of fun in the hospital. We play Hangman and I beat her in every game. We also play this game called shoot the bunnies on the wallpaper with a water gun, which I invented. Child genius. <laughs> and in between all the games that we're playing, you know, I get some MRI, I go for some MRIs and CAT scans and whatever. And maybe a week goes by in the hospital, and then the doctors come in, and they say to my mother, uh, we have found a mass in Tim's lung. And my mother says, what is the mass? And I think... They've finally discovered the source of my superpowers. (laughs) And the doctor says, we're not sure. That's why we'd like to send Tim to Schneider's Children's Hospital, where they specialize in serious diseases in children. My mother says, what serious disease do you think that Tim might have? And I think the ability to fly, the flying twig. (laughs) And the doctor says, lymphoma. So now we get in the car and we go to Schneider's Children's Hospital. And we walk in and my mother says, look, Tim, the whole first floor is a playroom for kids. There's only kids in this hospital. Isn't that cool? And I look over and there's a kid in a wheelchair and her legs are curled inward. And she has a bandana around her head. And I look up at my mom and I say, mom, why does that girl look like that? And she doesn't answer me. And we go upstairs, and I have my own room again, but this time it feels less like a king's chamber and more like a prison cell. And the doctors come in immediately, and they say to my mother, in the morning, we want to biopsy the mass in Tim's lung. And I don't know what a biopsy is, but I assume it involves tubes. (laughs) So I look at my mom, and I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. My mom turns to the doctor and she says, is there anything we can do besides biopsying it? And I swear on my life, I have no idea why this is true. My mom and I have spoken about it. Neither of us understand this, but the doctor says there's only one way to get around biopsying it. Tim has to cough up a large enough piece of mucus. (laughs) So now my mother and I have our mission. (laughs) By tomorrow morning, I'm going to hock up a giant loogie. And we develop an intricate, secret system of communication for this. If I have a giant loogie in my throat, I will go, "Mm!" And that's the signal. And that night I go to bed and I'm praying, Please God, give me a giant loogie, please. But the night goes past, and I don't get one. In the morning, I can hear the doctor's footsteps coming down the hall to perform their evil biopsy. And I start to panic. But then I look at my mom, and I go, "Mmm," And she goes, whack, hits me on the back. Out flies a giant brown and green loogie. She catches it in a cup. We cheer and hug. The doctor comes in. He takes away the loogie. They test it and it is negative for whatever they're looking for. I don't have to get a biopsy. They don't have to do anything. Within a few days, my cough and fever disappear, and the mass in my lung mysteriously goes away. And I get to go home, and the craziest thing is, we never get a bill from the hospital. (laughs) Uh, A few weeks ago, I'm having a glass of wine with my mother, and this story comes up, and suddenly she gets very serious, and you can tell by her face that she's upset, and she says, there was a black cloud following me in those years, because for years we were broke, a lot of things went wrong, and I kept getting mysteriously sick, but I said to her, no, I I really disagree, you know, I... I never got any terrible disease. Uh, Our hospital bills got paid. It's more like we were being carried. And then I look at her face and I, I realize that actually I have absolutely no idea what she went through thinking that her child might die. And that my thought that we were being carried is really just the naive thought of someone who's had such an amazing mother that even when there was a black cloud following her family, that she made herself like an umbrella to protect them, so that all that we would ever see was how great everything was. And she is here tonight. And, I would would just like to say that, Mom, I know that I was an unbelievably brave (laughs) six-year-old. But you have always been my hero. Thank you, everyone.
0: That was Tim Manley. For the past few years, Tim has taught high school English and humanities at New York City's School of the Future. He's also a fiction mentor with Pan American's Writers in Prisons program, and his autobiographical mini comics, Stories I Wish I Could Tell You, are for sale in independent comic book stores across the country. You can also find him at 100 Reasons to Be Happy. That's 100 Reasons to For more science stories, take a look at StoryCollider.org, where we have our magazine, archives of the podcast, and upcoming events. Our next live show is September 25th at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The theme is animals. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Aaron Barker. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, Rafaela Benin, and Sarah Amandalare. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Union Hall for hosting the show and to my childhood fever for occurring before I could remember. Thanks for listening.